More people are well today. I'm sure there were more people here this morning before uh, Simon mentions that I'll be speaking. Uh, but hey, I don't blame them <laughs> for going home. Uh, it's Sunday. Um, they probably had the Yorkshire puddings in the oven <laughs> with their roast lamb. <laughs> I'll be keeping this one short, really, because we're going around to Kevin and Lisa's uh, afterwards. So, yeah. If you want my preachers to be short, then you know what to do. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here. It's great to worship God. Uh, I just love getting together as a family, uh, as brothers and sisters, coming before God, re- really receiving from Him. And it's great that we can see His presence, uh, we can sense His presence amongst us. Um, as Simon mentioned, it, the band were leading us really well, sensitively, with wisdom. Um, and it's just great that the Spirit of God is leading all of us into that, into worship. So, it's great. Um, if you're a guest, it's great to have you here with us. Um, we've just finished uh, studying the Gospel of Mark. Um, last week, Raj uh, unpacked uh, what the Ten Commandments are uh, and gave us a bit of background about it. Uh, so today, is uh, well, this week is the second week into the Ten Commandments, and the First Commandment. Hmm. Uh, just before we get into the commandments and really get, get into the, the Word of God, how many of you are not thrilled about laws? Yes. Not many of you? Yeah. <laughs> At least they're not in laws. <laughs> but hey... <laughs> Um, okay, Rice said the same last week. Um, he gave a, a good background on what the Ten Commandments were. Uh, can anyone remember what they were before they come on the screen? <laughs> the three points that Raj gave us last week. We were all listening really carefully. Excellent. So they're going to come up on the screen in a minute. So, firstly, the Ten Commandments are about intimacy with God. Secondly, the Ten Commandments are about freedom in God, and thirdly, they're about the heart of God. Isn't it great that we have a God who's interested in us, we have a God who's interested in every single detail of our life, and whatever he gives us is for our good, whatever he gives us is for intimacy between us and himself, whatever he gives is out of love. So these are the points that Raj gave us last week, and I thought it's just helpful to really remember what they were before we go on uh, and look at the first commandment. Uh, when we think of commandments, uh, we think that they're impractical, we think that uh, they're obstructive, they're unhelpful. But what comes from God is different, because the heart of God is a father heart. Uh, the Hebrew word for uh, law is, uh, in the Old Testament is uh, Torah. Uh, some uh, people in some cultures actually know the whole Old Testament as Torah. I know it's, it's not correct, but many people refer to it as the Torah. Um, so that's the word used uh, for the, the five books um, that are the books of law. And the Ten Commandments are at the center and at the heart of the laws of God. You can tell all that leadership training is proving useful. Um, the word Torah can mean different things. It can mean instruction. Uh, teaching, guidance, um, and we, can, we have a couple of examples of them. In Proverbs 1.8, we hit the, if you read, it says, 
Hear, my son, your father's instruction, Torah, and forsake not your mother's teachings. In Proverbs uh, 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law, Torah. So that's the word used in the Old Testament. Uh, Why should we study them anyway? I mean, are they not just a list of commandments? They're in the Old Testament. Should we just leave them as they are? Why do we have to study them? Why do we have to look at them? Um, Well, Jesus tells us very clearly the reason behind it, because they all point to Jesus. Uh, In Luke 24, 44, Jesus uh, says to to his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the laws of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So they all point to Jesus Christ, the person that we were singing about this morning, the person that we adore, the person that we love, the person that we worship, God himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we love studying his word because it points to him. Um, Jesus says that it's all about him. In fact, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Um, We can find out later on uh, how, um, but the whole Bible points to Jesus. In the uh, story of Exodus, that uh, I'm sure you all know, uh, but we'll uh, go over it just very briefly, uh, we can see the footprints of Jesus there. When you look at the commandments, see what we have failed to do and what Jesus has done for us. And in that, give glory to God. So when we look at them, we see our failures And when we look at them in light of Jesus, we see what he's done for us and we give him all the glory. Because what he's won on the cross, his victory is ours. If we live in him, if we are in him, we inherit what he has. So if we are in Jesus Christ, we are victorious. So what he's fulfilled is ours. Claim that jubilee. Claim that day by day. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of your identity in Jesus Christ. We need to do that day by day because we live in a world that tries to tell us something else. We live in a world that tries to tell us um, that we are not who we claim uh, we are. Uh, We're not what the Bible says we are. And there are lots of different theories and lots of things to back uh, back it up. But we have the Bible, the Word of God. What this says is what God says. And this tells me that I am a child of God, by the grace of God. I have been adopted into the family of God, and I belong to him. And that's where my identity lies. So if you're not sure about your identity, go through this. Believe in Jesus Christ. If you're fully in him, if he's your security, if everything is in him, this is the word of God, and this tells you that you're a child of God. So no matter what the world says, you are what the Bible says you are. And in light of that, your relationship with God... Let's get uh, into the word and let's read the first commandments from Exodus uh, chapter 20 verses 1 to 3 and then in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 1 to 7. So, Exodus. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. Can we say it all together? The, the, the last sentence and the first commandments. Let's say it all together. Amen. And let's read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, 
Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearings today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at the time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Amen. Isn't the word of God great? Isn't it amazing? You hear it, sometimes it offends us. It has offended me many times. In fact, the first time I read it, it offended me greatly. And that's why I bowed down before Jesus and said, you are my God. It offends us. It's encouraging. It's all in all. It's the word of God. If you, want, if you ask God to speak to you, read his word. He still speaks today. But this is the authority. Read it. Delve into it. You can never say that God doesn't speak to me. What the Bible says, God said. Um, I think this commandment is about two things. Uh, it can be about more things, but uh, as I was uh, preparing for this, uh, I think it's about two main points. It's about, firstly, relationship, and it's about our priorities. What do I mean by relationship? What does God say before he gives the first commandment? He introduces himself. So I think it's kind of about relationship, who he is and who are the people receiving the commandments. If we read the commandments and if we don't understand the one who's given it to us, if, we, if we're disconnected from the one who has given it to us, then we can really miss the heart of it. No matter how well you know them, whether you can recite all the Ten Commandments or just the first one because we've just read it together today, this morning, if you don't understand the heart of God, they don't mean much. If you don't understand why God has given it to us, then they're not much of use, really. We need to understand the father heart of God. Because fathers don't want their children to suffer. It was the same with God. He doesn't want his children to suffer. I remember... Um, uh, when it comes to rules and everything, my, my father comes to my mind because he, he was a really good dad. He was really loving and kind and gentle. But at the same time, he was tr really trying to look after me and put rules and regulations in place. And of course, I was abiding them all the time, of course, <laughs> adhering to them. So I remember um, it was uh, in the summer, um, and we have three months of school holidays um, in the summer. If children were here, they would, they would go, wow! But parents would go, wow, how did your parents deal with you guys? But we still have three months of uh, summer holidays, uh, so we don't have half terms as you do in here, but three months of summer. And you end up spending all that three months uh, of summer in your grandparents' house, most of the time, because they're loving and gentle and kind, just your parents, but they don't tell you off. So we spend that time in there, I remember my dad bought me a bike because I did really well in my exams. But he said, son, there's one rule. You cannot go out on your bike after 9 p.m. And I know 9 p.m. is really late in here, but it's not really too late back home in Iran. So I was thinking, okay, up until 9, I can try. For the first few days, it was good. 
I mean, 9 p.m. is not really late. Your dad gets home from work at 9 p.m. to get in the car. Where are we going? We're going to visit your grandma. Uh, we haven't seen her for three days. Let's, get, let's go and see him. Or it's 9 o'clock in the evening. Your uncle gets home. They come and visit you. So it, that's how it works. It's just um, not well planned. So <laughs> that's the word I could use for it. Doesn't mean bad, though. I love it. Uh, Mamesh, can you just not translate this bit for our Iranian friend? The bit that I love not planning. <laughs> uh, so I remember um, in one evening, my, my cousin came around. And he was on his bike as well. And he said, let's go out. And I looked and I said, shall I go out? Shall I not? It's only five to nine. I'll be back in five minutes. So we went out. And of course, we went back in five minutes. And then because the, the roads were... But not good. There was a pothole I didn't see. And of course, health and safety was great. I had two great big lights on my bike with a helmet. No, I didn't. It was just... <laughs> so, and the lightings in the street weren't good. So, um, there was a pothole. I fell down my bike. Uh, I injured my finger. I've still got the marks on it. Uh, so, uh, and it was bleeding really bad. And I was, of course, young. I mean, my cousin, who was very helpful, who ran away home. And so, I had to get my bike and just puddle along to... Uh, my uh, grand, uh, grandmother's. I got there. Um, uh, I didn't tell her anything. I, of course, if she'd found out, then uh, I would have been in trouble. So I didn't tell her anything. Uh, just put some, wrapped something around it, uh, went to bed in the morning, looked at it. I was hoping that somehow, miraculously, it'd be fine. It wasn't. I mean, even before I was a Christian, I believed in miracles. Um, but... Then I thought, okay, what do I do? Nothing I could do. I had to go to my dad. So I went home and said, Dad, this is what happened. And of course, when he asked me what time he went out, I said it was eight. So <laughs> he took me to the hospital. And I broke the rules. I suffered, and my dad suffered because he had to pay at the hospital. I suffered, and I could really see in my dad's face that he was suffering because he was looking at the wound uh, on my finger, in my hand, and he's, I could really see the sadness in his face, and he was really broken-hearted, uh, and he knew that if I'd obeyed him and what he had said out of love, this wouldn't have happened. So I could really see it there. Um, of course, uh, chair fuse came into place, but they didn't mean much. Anyway... Uh, when we tempted to sin, understand the heart of God. This is the relationship between us and God. Uh, the Ten Commandments are about freedom, as Raj said last week, but not the freedom that we think of, particularly here in the West. You think of freedom as being the ability to criticize everything, the ability to do whatever you want to do, the ability to go the extent that human beings can go. To. But it's not freedom. That's not freedom. The real freedom is in God. The real freedom is obeying God's law. The real freedom is being in the hands of God, knowing that He loves you with the Father's heart, knowing that you are loved by Him, and you obey, you obey Him out of your heart. Following rules and regulations don't mean much to God if they're not from your heart. So the freedom that God has given us are obvious in the Ten Commandments. But when we look at them and we just think of them ah, as another law and let's just break it we're breaking the heart of God and I mean he suffers and we suffer God really suffers uh, we're going to talk about 
slavery in a minute and how uh, the Israelites were slaves uh, in Egypt. But it's not just about Israel and many thousand years ago that they were slaves. Even God's telling me not to, to use my note. <laughs> but it's always about slavery. It's always about slavery and God delivering us from that. Because no matter what you do, you're worshipping something or someone. And if that someone is not the one true God, then you're a slave. Just like the Israelites were. And there's only one way out of that slavery, and that's believing in Jesus Christ. We're going to find out in a minute. So, commandments are different when they come from God. Uh, as I illustrated with a bit of humor in my uh, example between myself and my earthly father. Um, according to the laws of my birthplace, I'm a lawbreaker. And I take delight in that. Because the laws in there were telling me not to worship the one true God. And I'm proud that I broke them. Um, there are many other laws that I broke that... Uh, I don't take pride in. But anyway, I take pride in it because they were against the laws of God. So the laws of God come first. Uh, Mavish's dad had a rule in the house that if anybody is in my house after 8 p.m., you cannot go home. Because the chances of having an accident after 8 p.m. are really high. So I think he was using that as a strategy to get rid of his guests. But some people think that he said that out of a loving heart so that when people come... He gets to have them overnight as well, and he gets to make sure that they're not harmed by leaving the house at 8 p.m., driving in the roads that are not very safe. So uh, you, can, you can see that where the laws are come from. I mean, when they're from your heart, they're different. Um, let's go to the story of Exodus, because um, we just read from Exodus um, about the first commandment. By the grace of God, Joseph, the son of Jacob, becomes... A great man in, uh, in the land of Egypt. Um, he's a great guy, uh, very wise, uh, loves God. And he, he saves the whole nation of Egypt from a very big famine. So this famine comes. Uh, Joseph uh, knew it already by the grace of God. He planned everything so the, um, the nation uh, don't suffer. He saves Egypt. A few generations later, uh, the Pharaoh forgets what uh, Joseph had done, uh, and he comes and gets his people and says, you've got to work for me, and I'm not paying you anything because you're my slaves, you're in, you live in my land, so you do work for me, you're not getting much out of it. Um, then the Israelites cry to God after a couple of hundreds of years, say, oh God, save us, and God hears them, so God delivers them. Um, it's not very straightforward. Uh, they, they go through a lot of things, but uh, if you're interested in uh, knowing the whole story, then read the Bible. Um, he brings them out of slavery, uh, and as they're coming out of, uh, out of the land of Egypt, which is the land of slavery, with lots of many gods, they're leaving, God parts the sea. You can imagine people going um, through the sea, and the walls uh, of water on both sides, um, and you can, I can imagine people looking at them, uh, the sea creatures. 
um, there's a shark looking at the people, <laughs> looking at them. All, no, there's not much of meat on them. They're all slaves. But then he sees one and tries to get one, and he can't because God is protecting his people. I can imagine if Matthew was walking there, he tried to catch a fish because he loves fish. So every time you invite him around, cook him some fish. Um, no, he doesn't. <laughs> um, so they go and, uh, through the sea that is parted. They get to the other side, and then... Lots of other things happen, and then it's God giving them his commandments. God speaks to them. What does he say? He doesn't say what to do, what not to do. The first thing he says, I am the Lord your God. So God is telling them that I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Sorry. <laughs> that it's me who did it. It's not the gods of Egypt. It's me who brought you out of the land. I did it. And I am the one true God. I am the Lord. And if you know who I am, then you would worship me. So God is showing them his identity and then tells them where they stand based on knowing God. God doesn't tell them that if you obey my rules, if you obey the laws, and if you do these sort of things, then I will adopt you into my family. No, God has already adopted them. God has already brought them out of slavery and then tells them, look, this is me. I did it for you. Remember it. Um, some people have slave mentalities, even Christians. Um, when they come to God, when they come um, and get to know Jesus, there are still bits and pieces in their lives. Uh, they go round in a circle, round and round and round, even after many years. Israelites were like that. I mean, for 40 years in desert, they've been going round and round and round. Just because they had a slave mentality. Why? What was the first thing they said when they came out of Egypt? It wasn't, hey, thank you, Lord, it's great. It was, where's our bread? We had bread back in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? We could eat there. Where's our bread? And then God gives them bread. And then it's not, oh, thank you, Lord, we love you. You're great, you're amazing. Oh, uh, by the way, when we had bread... We also had meat. So, where's the meat? You know, we can't do without meat. We're Middle Easterns. Uh, we can't live without it. And then God gives them that. And then they don't go, wow, thank you, Lord, we praise you. Then again and again, there are things that they say, do you remember Egypt? It was great, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. You were slaves there. Your children were born into slavery. What was great about Egypt? Some Christians are like this as well. They come, into, they come to Christ, they bow down to Jesus, they receive all the love that God has for them, and then a couple of years later they look and say, oh, do you remember? It was all good before Jesus came. Uh, only if it wasn't for him. It was all great. No, it wasn't. You were slaves. You were slaves to what you were worshipping. Freedom, real freedom is in Jesus Christ. So this slave mentality still goes on in the life of some of us. And the reason I said that this one will be short was partly because we're going around to Kevin and Lisa's, but partly because we want to pray at the end. Uh, because the, the enemy doesn't want us to live in the freedom that God has for us. And he tries to remind us that those days were good. And if you've ever felt like that, I have a solution for you. You can bring it at the foot of the cross here this morning, leave it there, and walk home free. 
And I want to encourage you to do it today. If you've ever felt, oh, those days were good. If you've ever felt, oh, only if it wasn't for Jesus. Today is your chance for bringing it all to Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. He loves taking it all. And then walk home free. And you never have to look back. A bitter Christian is not defined in the New Testament. I can never get my head around bitter Christians. Christians who are in the presence of God, but at the same time are bitter in heart. Because if you've experienced the love and freedom that Jesus Christ has for you, how can you stay bitter? How can you still say, oh God, what about this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? God is sovereign and he does what he wants to do. So if you're in God, enjoy his presence. If you're in God, enjoy every single moment with him. If you're in God, know that everything happens for the, uh, for the good of those who believe in him. I mean, some of you have children, but we've all been children. Some of us might have never seen our parents, but we know what it's like to have parents who are brokenhearted. I mean, Mamish and I don't have children yet, and if, if it's God's will, he will give us a child or children, and if not, he will not. In either case, glory be, God, be to God in the highest. In either case, glory to him. But we are both children of our parents, and we know what it means to have parents who are brokenhearted. Do not break the heart of God. You suffer, and he suffers. In your suffering, he is there to get you out. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that slavery was good. Slavery was not and is not good. Living in the land of Egypt, spiritually, was nothing good. We've all experienced it before we come to Christ. So don't let the lies of the enemy get into you. God sets us free to live free. It's something to be set free, something else to live free. Uh, we have two canaries at home. Uh, of course, they live in a cage. And at the, at the first few days that we had them, I was careful when I was opening the cage to put some food in there, some seeds and other things, and of course some rice and kebab and other things in there. Uh, I was always careful not to open the door too widely in case they get out. Uh, it was... Only a few days later that I realized they were born in a cage. They've never experienced anything outside the cage. And they would not want to go out of the cage. Because it's a whole new world outside and they're scared. So now Marvish tries to feed them. She opens the door, puts some seed in there. Sometimes she forgets to close it. And guess what? They never get out of the cage. Because their mentality is, this is our home. This is good. The world outside is not good. But it's not the same for us. As Christians, God has set us free to live free. He has broken the bondage of sin. He has broken the chains that hold us back. And he's calling us to run. Apostle Paul says, I punch not like punching in the air, but I really mean it. And I run, not looking back. Because I mean it. I really mean it. I'm running because I'm a runner. I, I do mean it. I don't look back. So, if you're in Christ, 
you've experienced the freedom of God. If you're in Christ, the chains have been broken, the bondages that the enemy had for you. Now live free. And if you're not in Christ, I want to encourage you to come and get to know this wonderful God, the one and only who loves you, who is for you, who has known you before you were born by name. <laughs> He's known you. And there's no strings attached. All he wants is for you to open your heart to him and say, welcome. And he will come in and he'll change you inside and out and he'll make you a different person. He'll make you into a person who loves God, who worships God and does everything for his glory. He'll make you into a person who's no longer interested in me, who's interested in God. So if you don't know him personally, I want to encourage you to get to know him. Seriously, no strings attached. You see all the adverts on the telly offering you everything and then there's one line at the bottom, terms and conditions. With Jesus, he just wants you. He's only interested in you. So if you're here not knowing Jesus as your personal friend, then let today be the day. Let today be your birthday. You will be born again. We will have an opportunity at the end, if you want to respond to him. I was once looking for him, trying to please him, not knowing him. He came into my life, he changed everything. And he changed me to a different person. It's he who did it. Jesus Christ. I can see Diane getting really confused with my PowerPoint because I'm really going according to the PowerPoint and everything is sorted and well according to the plan. Um, okay, so it's all about relationships. That was the first point. So where do you stand in light of God and you? Where do you stand in your relationship with God? How do you see him and how do you view him? And where do you stand in light of that? Is he your God and King? Is he the one and only is he the one that you cannot live without? Is he the one that you're trying to glorify day in, day out? Then great, well done. Or is he the one that sometimes you have to blame because things haven't gone right in your life? Are you blaming him because he could have done better? Then the solution is that you're wrong. God is never wrong. And then you have to repent, you have to come before him and give him the place that he really deserves. The second point is that it's about our priorities. So God is introducing himself, saying who he is. I am the Lord your God. And then what, he said, what does he say? You shall have no other gods before me. Because he knows them too well. He knows us as human beings. He knows that these people who were slaves, they were exposed to gods. Lots and lots of them. Images, actual living things, material. So because their minds somehow are corrupted, God is telling them, this is how it should be. You shall have no other gods before me. Get your priorities right. If you're a Christian, there should be nothing or no one before God. It's not just before. It's right and left and back and center. Don't try to play with words. <laughs> what God is saying here is that if there is anything that is equal to me, if there's anything in your life that is greater than me, if there's anything in your life that comes before me, then put them back, 
put me right in the center. Because based on this commandment, everything else will come. This is the commandment that really gives life to the rest of the commandments. This is the commandment that we must understand and get right. What are your priorities in life, Jubilee? Is it your family? Is it your marriage? Is it your finances? Is it the house? What is it? These are all good things, but if they're your priorities, then they become bad things. The priority must always be God. God and Him alone. Is God your priority? Do you always give Him the best place in your heart? Is He always the first? If He is, then that will affect everything else. Because if He is the center, then everything else will flow from, from that. Every decision that you make. The greatest decision that anyone in their life can make is who do they worship. And there's only one correct choice. Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the beginning and the end. It's Him. So whatever you do, make this decision if you haven't already and make it to be Jesus Christ because that's the most important decision that will affect your present and eternity. So it will affect all your life and then give Him the right place which is above everything else because every other decision that you make will be affected by that. Who you will marry, if you put God in the center, then that will affect it. I was going to say young guys, but younger guys. Many of you are thinking of getting married. Some of you are married already. Some are thinking and praying, hopefully, about your life partner. Somebody that you will live together. Somebody that you will, in, before God, come together in unity. And you want to live your lives uh, until death to part. Until you go and see him face to face. Put Jesus in the center and pray that he shows you the right person. And one of the first signs, if you're looking for uh, a wife or husband, is how much they're in love with Jesus. If they're in love with Jesus, then they can love you better because they receive the love of God and they experience that. So where God is affects everything. Where God is, it affects your finances. Where do I spend my money? Where do I, uh, what's my priorities? What do I do with it? Well, I give 10% of it. I, I do tithe, but then the rest is mine. No, all of it is God. <laughs> so the place that you give to God affects everything else. You see, as Christians, we must be careful not to make anything or anyone else our God. Uh, there are lots and lots of gods, but there's only one true. Lots and lots of them, even in the times of the Bible. If you read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, you will come across some of them. Chemosh was a god. Baalzebul was another. What Satan has done is just got them and has given them a new name so that we can really understand them. Because Chemosh and Baalzebul, I mean, they're just foreign names that don't mean much. So you better change them to something that we can understand and identify with. So there are gods today. Satan has no creativity. He just tries to counterfeit. So what he's done is got the same gods, brought them to today, changed them, put a different clothes on them, say, these are gods, worship them. So we must be really careful. 
I asked a Christian friend of mine uh, a few years ago uh, for, opinion, uh, for his opinion on something, and then um, I was horrified by the answer he gave. He said, do you want my opinion or the Bible's opinion? Uh, well, if your opinion is not what the Bible says, then you should go and read the Word of God and go before God and tell Him, my opinion is wrong, change my heart. Because God is never wrong. How many times have you found yourself to have opinions that are in conflict with the Word of God? You don't have to put your hand up. Sometimes what we have in heart is in conflict with what God has for us. Which one do we choose? What God has for us. He's never wrong. How many times I've been told that Christians worship many gods? I don't think it's because all people misunderstand the Bible. It's probably because they've seen Christians who worship more than one God. It's because they've seen Christians who worship Jesus Christ alongside other things. Or because they've seen Christians worshipping Jesus but secondary to other things. It's not that they misunderstood the Bible. So let us live lives worthy of God. Let us live lives worthy of God and witnessing to the world around us that Jesus Christ is the one true God and He is the center of our lives. And everything else depends on Him. Let us be witnesses worthy of His name. Who's your God? Think about it. You might have more than one. Search your life. Ask God to do it for you. I think it's in Jeremiah 47. God says, I will set your heart. Let God set your heart. Because nothing is, goes missing from Him. Let Him set your heart. And then you will be convicted in your heart. If there are things that are not of God. And then... The only thing we can do is to say, okay, God, you've done the job. You've already done it, Jesus, on the cross. So take them and replace it with your presence, replace it with your love, replace it with your grace that you showed me. You can search your life and your heart and ask yourself some questions. Who do I live for? If the answer is anything or anyone but Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, Bow down before Jesus and say, no, it must be you. I'm wrong. What can you not live without? Is there something in your life or someone in your life that you can't live without? Of course, there are lots of things that we like and lots of people that we love. But if we cannot live without God, then that's when we depend on Him in everything. Who do I rely on in difficulties? Of course, it's good to have friends and family but who do you go to in the times of difficulty? Even when you go to your brothers and sisters, what do you tell them? Do you ask them to pray for you and lift you up before the one true king? Or do you rely on them? It's good to have reliable friends and family. And I'm privileged to be in the family of God that have been there all the time for me. But I do not rely on you. Sorry, guys. <laughs> as much as I love you. I rely on Jesus Christ because he's brought me thus far and he'll take me further. And it's the same with you. You are here because of him and he'll take you further.
Rely on Him. If you rely on anything else in the times of difficulty, go before God and say, I want you to be my rock when the times are good, when the times are bad. Who do you praise in the times of success? What do you say when you hear a good news or when something great happens? Praise the Lord. I mean, even when bad things happen, you should say that. I remember uh, Jonathan said that when they were in Tanzania, the, the flight got cancelled, and of course it was a bad thing for them. But all the Tanzanians in the church went, Praise the Lord! It's great. Praise the Lord. Even when you think things are not going right, praise the Lord. In the times of good, praise the Lord. Times of bad, praise the Lord. In your difficulties, praise the Lord. Go to Him. When you hear a good news, praise the Lord. When God delivers you from something, praise the Lord. It's all about Him and whatever He does in your life. Give Him all the glory because He's the only one who deserves it. Do you wholeheartedly want to glorify God in everything you do? Or is it just Sundays at church and then from Mondays it's the start of another week and somebody different at workplace, somebody different? Get your priorities right. Put Jesus in the center. And when you go to work, he will go before you. First things first. Jesus Christ at the center. When Andy comes to work on a Monday, first things first. He goes and puts the kettle on. A cup of tea. Now you were expecting me to say first things first. Worship. Of course, it's Andy we're talking about. You've got to remember. <laughs> Just puts the kettle on. And before he's had his first cup of tea, you can't really talk to him. And so he goes, morning, Andy. Just, I mean, even on his cup, he says, do I look like a morning person? So that says everything. <laughs> Get your priorities right. Give Jesus Christ the place that he deserves. Here we see not only God prohibiting Israel from worshipping other gods. He also tells them why. He says, don't put anything else as God because I alone deserve it. Yeah. Idols or even living things, they're mute. They can't do anything. I mean, for a few years in my life I was worshipping uh, a God that was dead or I was trying to cling on to people who were dead themselves. And when I came to Christ... And I heard that he is alive. I thought to myself, how did I expect those people who were dead themselves to help me in the times of difficulty? And of course, it was only in the times of difficulty I went to them. But I, was, I just asked myself, how did that happen? I mean, where's the logic in it? They couldn't help themselves. They're in graves. I mean, even people who worship them agree that this is the burial place of that particular person. But with Jesus, it's different. He's alive. Praise the Lord. And he speaks today. So if you worship anything other than God, know that one day they will perish. Our God is eternal. If you're worshipping other people, you probably think, oh, that's funny. But look, really search your heart and see how many times you've worshipped other people, at least for a few minutes. How many times you've worshipped the, the way they look? Beauty, marriage, and lots of other things. These are not necessarily bad things. But when they become God, they are bad things. 
when, as the children of God, we understand instructions, we are mature enough, we know that what God has given us, we know that the commandments are for our good. I'll give you another example of my very interesting life. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was born, there was a time of war, and as I grew up, there was again, the, the war kept on going for about eight years. Um, so the priority for my parents, uh, or all the parents, were to keep the children alive. So the first thing they did was they moved to a different city from the borders that uh, war was happening in, to a different city, which was fine. Um, so, and then, in the midst of all the really good health and safety rules and regulations that we have back in Iran, they were trying to keep us alive uh, by teaching me. I mean, I remember the first thing that my parents taught me was, do not put your finger in the wall socket because it has electricity. So, of course, the first thing I wanted to try was to put my finger in there, and I still remember it. Uh, so their priority was to keep me alive. Um, now I'm older, at least age-wise. Um, I know my parents told me that because that, that was the priority for them, to keep me alive. He gives us commandments. God gives us commandments, and he wants us to get our priorities right. When we become mature, we understand them. It's not like God has changed his mind when he first gave us the commandments. Then he did some work on them, and they evolved. No, God doesn't work that way. God doesn't change his mind. It's us that have changed. We have become more mature. We have become more mature in our love for God. We have grown in him and in our faith that we have a better understanding of it. God doesn't change. Now, hearing about relationship and priorities, where do you stand? Just think to yourself for a few minutes. If I could ask the band to come up, please. Uh, where do you stand in that relationship with God? Do you consider yourself as the child of God? Do you consider yourself bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ? Do you know that you are safe in his hands? Do you love him and worship him alone? Or you're not sure? If you're not sure, I want to encourage you to come forward to be prayed for. If you want to give him your life and let him come into your heart and make you into a different person, I want to urge you to come forward and let us pray for you. If you're not sure about your priorities, if you've ever had anyone or anything else in the place of God, or if you're still struggling, just like Israel in that 40 years, for you, you might think, oh, it's only four years or 44 years that I've been going round in that circle. I want to encourage you to come forward and be prayed for. There is no shame or embarrassment in that. Come and give it to God and receive His grace. Come and put it down at the foot of the cross and receive His grace. Because there's only one person in the whole universe who is worthy of having that place in your heart where nothing comes near him and everything else is secondary to him. And that's Jesus Christ. Because he came and lived on this earth, just like you and I. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all the commandments. He was beaten for no reason, 
crucified, a horrific death, and then he was put into the grave. Because of the blood that was shed on the cross, you and I, if we go before him, we are forgiven. And that's not the end of it. When he was in the grave, he didn't stay there. Because death had no hold on him. And he rose again, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come back one day to take his bride. He is alive and he speaks to us today. Now, if you want to be worshipping that one true God, that even death couldn't hold him, then do not miss this moment. I want to encourage you to come forward and be prayed for and give him your heart and experience what it means to be a born-again Christian. Experience what it means to live in the family of God. Now, if you'd like to be prayed for, can I ask us all to stand up? And if you'd like to be prayed for, please do come forward now. Ministry team, if you could please keep an eye out. Even if you'd like to be prayed for yourself, if you're a ministry team, the priority is being prayed for. So please do come forward if you'd like to be prayed for. Bless you all.